1: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but
0: let me play devil's advocate
1: here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Creative Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Patrick Curran today. We've done the running backs, we've done the wide receivers. We haven't really done the quarterbacks, but neither of us have that. Like we don't have anything to offer other than quarterbacks are a good commodity to add in super flex leagues. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be on the record. I'm like, oh, Kenny Pickett's hands are too small or whatever. But that means Pat, we, we got to do the tight ends. We we got we got to do it.
1: Yeah, we we got to do it, and it's a bit of a disappointing class in uh, a number of ways. The the wide receivers are good. The running backs, there's some interesting guys, but it's pretty thin class quarterbacks it does start to it is feeling kind of like willis and then you know maybe we'll get a chance to take some of these guys in the second round or second round of superflex, which would be a nice start throws uh like a sam howell 203 sounds okay but not an inspiring class and then we get to the tight ends and it's also not inspiring <laughs>
2: it's it's really it's really not um so the thing i would say about feeling that a tight end class is not that inspiring is that if you get a guy who just plays, who sticks with a team, uh, that guy is going to end up being more valuable than you would anticipate. So I think there are two guys right now that really exemplify that. One is Pat Friermuth. I mean, what has Pat Friermuth done? Like nothing, right? Like literally nothing, but he is appreciated a ton. He is a consensus top 10 dynasty tight end. And I think Cole Komet is the other one. Uh, guys done guys done nothing he had 93 targets without a touchdown last season and he's still you know re- like you you could probably what do you think you get a second for commit if you were just like if you sent a trade offer to everyone in your league
1: probably yeah but he in super flex tight end premium he cost a he costs a second in the first place uh you, like a late second but yeah you're probably making a slight profit on commit even though he's done basically nothing
2: yeah so it, and and if one of these guys can can Cole, or or Albert O, right? Albert O. Nothing, nothing but profit from where he was oh, drafted. Yeah. Big uh, profit on Albert O. Yeah, big, big profit on Albert O. So the names, I think there are uh, really, I think there's two names you need to know. And then there are, are three other guys who I think are interesting. So there there seems to be a fair amount of debate between Greg Dulcich, the UCLA guy, and Trey McBride the Colorado state guy. And I think I am going to go against consensus amongst our small circle of the internet, which is that Dulcich is the more appealing guy for fantasy. He uh, had a a pretty high depth of target. 55% of his throws came on field uh, on throws 10 yards down the field. Uh, And that was, that was fourth overall amongst all pass catchers trailing only Alec Pierce, Kevin Austin and Jamison Williams. That's from, our friend Rich Rebar over on Sharp Football Analysis. So an interesting skill set. My thing is, I just think Trey McBride is going to get drafted by a team and they're just immediately going to use him like fancy Jameson Crowder. And that is going to help you turn a profit on where you take him, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I'm i a little bit more interested in Dulcich than McBride because of the the profile that you just outlined, 13.2 career ADOT. He's also efficient. Uh, 11.2 yards per target over his career, which isn't all that common among tight ends. You tend to see pretty low A dots and pretty weak yards per target efficiency. You also don't tend to see a lot of guys with strong yards per route run numbers. Uh, Dulcich did have a pretty strong yards per route run of, uh, uh, of 2.04, but that's actually slightly lower than McBride at 2.11. So they're both, I think, pretty decent prospects. I said before we started that I'm, I'm probably going to have Dulcich over McBride, but if I knew for a fact that McBride was a second round pick, Dulcich was a third round pick, I would have McBride ahead. I think if they're both in the same round, I'll lean slightly to Dulcich. It just seems like a little bit, bit of a higher upside play, uh, but they're pretty close and neither of them I think is like a super strong prospect.
2: That, I mean, that really that really is the thing. Both of them are, are weird prospects. So Trey McBride, the weird thing is his final season at Colorado, he catches 90 passes, 1,200 yards, scores one touchdown, scores 10 touchdowns his entire time at Colorado State on 164 receptions. That is a weird profile for a tight end in the NFL because normally the converse happens where tight ends will way outproduce their you know league average right. targets per touchdown
1: yeah it is weird uh and you've seen that with some guys uh i think kittle if you look at his profile has just like an incredible touchdown share it's only like four touchdowns but it's like half the team's touchdown total or something right Wild. yeah so not ideal to have a tight end uh not putting up a ton of touchdowns yeah
2: which is like um And the, the vibe that I kind of get from McBride is, uh, people, people might remember Jason Morrow at Texas tech. So like his big season came his final year. He was pretty good at the combine, like a ton of yards, but barely caught any touchdowns was like a little bit small for a tight end at the NFL level. And he Mm -hmm. just flamed out, right. He got drafted by the jets and then was just one of those guys you held on your dynasty roster forever but never, you know, it was never, it was never a useful fantasy asset.
1: Yeah. And, you know, McBride, he had a four, six, four, five, six 40 at his pro day, but 33 inch vertical and 117 inch broad jump. He is not on, he's not one of those hyper-athletic tight ends. Uh, you which know, is, which really is kind nice of what 40, we want but, to gamble on. Right. Like the guys who, really like crushed everything that I have, uh, which is only going back through 2017. But the guys that I have, Noah Fant, he had uh, a four five at the combine, 39 and 39 and a half inch vertical, 127 inch broad jump, Evan Ingram, 442, 36 and 124. Mike Jasicki, 454, 41 and a half inch for 129 inch broad jump, and George Kittle, 452, 35 inch vert, 132 inch broad jump. Those guys crushed it mcbride isn't in that league so uh one i don't know how much the the four or five six is going to help his i mean it certainly won't hurt but does that mean he's a second round pick now or you know it's at his pro day didn't have great jumps is he still going to be like a third round guy which i think matters
2: well it definitely it definitely does matter i mean the way that grinding the mocks has it right now expected a draft position of 56 for trey mcbride so that's like back end of the second Mm -hmm. round mid mid to late second round the thing is that i have heard consistently on trey mcbride and this is i mean this is mostly fans of the team telling me this but is that the jets really want trey mcbride that they and and i guess it kind of makes sense if you look at the way they used uh tyler croft and they had another guy who's just slow and and bumbling i can't even remember who it is um but i mean i drafted
1: him and now i'm forgetting his name but yeah
2: yeah, it, it it makes sense, you know, a uh, soft hands, whatever, a guy for Jack for for Zach Wilson to check down to or whatever, or just throw those quick little uh, like the the six yeah. yard hitch routes or whatever. Like I I get it, and you know clearly I think that the the Jets are one of those teams that is not going to get it done in free agency. Like they're like, like we just, you, you probably blurred this up. Like teams are not wanting to come to the jets. So they do need to kind of build the infrastructure for Zach Wilson to be successful through the draft and having a good receiving tight end would do that. And so they pick at 38 in the second round. And I think uh, with a draft capital of 38, that would be a pretty interesting spot for him. With draft
1: capital of 38, he'd be my 10 and one in the class. And I think he'd be worth like a second round rookie pick.
2: Yeah, so he went. Uh, so I'm I'm in this uh, I'm in this league with a lot of industry people, and we do our draft before the NFL draft. And he went in the first round, and uh, I believe Scott Barrett and T.J. Kalkin, They did. They they traded up to take him. So they well, it, I guess it's a, it's a little bit of a misnomer because they had four picks in a row from 111 to the 202 and they took him at the 201 ahead of John, uh, but he went ahead of Kenny Pickett, went ahead of Desmond Ritter, went ahead of Corral, went ahead of Sam Howell. And I I have a feeling that you would prefer any of those guys.
1: Give me any of the quarterbacks over McBride. I just don't think he's like a real big swing for the fences. I mean, I guess technically like any tight end can turn into a star because we're so bad at projecting which ones will actually turn star, but any given tight end has such a low percentage of being that guy that I just much rather bet on a quarterback where like Drew Locke was worth a lot at the peak of his value. Like Drew Locke was like a seventh round startup pick when he looked like, Oh, maybe he'll win. Maybe they'll commit to him as the starter or whatever. Like he's going to get his shot. Like I know that probably all these quarterbacks aren't going to be long-term successes. Like the odds are against all of them individually, but I mean, even if they aren't like, they'll probably be worth a lot more than Trey McBride will ever be worth. Uh, Yeah. I would take all the quarterbacks. It's it's
2: it will. The reason why you want Trey McBride is 80% of the time he becomes Blake Jarwin and he's useless and out of the league and you can never trade him for anything, but the five to 10% of him being a top 10 tight end in fantasy, even for a season is uh, it's massive, right? Like, I, like Kenny Pickett will probably never be a top 10 player at his position, right? But he'll just very, he's very unlikely to do that. Um, but but yeah, I mean, an elite fantasy tight end, it's like, that's the, that's the, the, the king or the, the queen, there's a chess. Yeah, it is he made here.
1: It is. But I generally think that you're better off finding guys who are like about to maybe be that guy like a Dallas Goddard, for example, I'd rather, if you're going to like, if you don't want to pay the full sticker price for an already elite tight end, I'd still rather go for someone who's like flashed elite efficiency is clearly an important part of their team's offense. Uh, I would rather also get a guy who's like a little bit more established since tight ends take so long to even flash
2: anything. Right. So, that that That's, the- that's actually a great strategy point, which is that even if you drafted, the next Travis Kelsey or whatever, or the next George Kittle. It might take him three years to even. Yeah. You
1: won't, you're not going to know. Get there. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. And the other thing is that, you know, this is, this was an FFPC league, uh, which has like, I would say the, like the least value of wide receivers of basically any dynasty league you'll ever be in. But like I did before last season, I traded away to for four Stefan Diggs straight up. So, like, I don't like the fact that you could get that done in any league. You know, it's just like yes, right. Pickett will never be worth a ton, uh, relative to like Mahomes, but he's still going to be worth a ton relative,
2: relative to, to the like league.
1: what relative to the league if he's if he's got a starting job. Which I mean, he we, probably will in entering twenty twenty
2: three. Most most recent thing that I read I saw this morning that people are starting to think that Pickett is going to the Panthers at six. That's the new, yes. that's the new rumor.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to have to have Pickett. I haven't released my quarterback ranks yet. Um, I think maybe partly because if I'd released them three weeks ago or whatever, I wouldn't have had Pickett number two. And it's taking me like this long to, to like go through this. You would add, you would add
2: corral too.
1: Yeah. I'd probably have corral too. I mean, th- honestly, I think that it, Willis is like a very strong pick in super flex leagues, I think. And then I just want the guys who are going to get a shot at jobs after that. Like, I don't see a ton of difference between Corral and Howell and Ritter. I would have them ranked Howell, Corral, and Ritter if, like, they all were going to get drafted mid first round. Cause I, I, I mean, like the, the, the math, most of fantasy, but
2: the math doesn't work out. Like, one or two of them are going to have to drop because there are not that yeah. many teams who are in a spot to take a quarterback.
1: And I think Howell's probably. He seems like the least buzz. So he he's starting to yeah. feel more like a mid second round pick to me. Corral seems like a pretty good candidate to be the guy like a team trades back in to draft at the end of the first round if he doesn't get drafted in like, you know, that Steelers spot or something. Um, and then Ritter also I think has a pretty strong chance of that too. So I'll probably end up having it like uh Willis Pickett, Corral, Ritter, Howell. But I just
2: S- I mean, Sam Pickett, Sam Howell so much of it is
1: draft position.
2: Sam Howell's uh, expected draft position, if you look at it on grinding the mocks, is like, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's like a, it's like the Bitcoin charts. It's all the way up. And then it's just, it's so far down. It's just <laughs> all the way down. Like now, like now it's to the point, like at one point he was getting mocked in the top 10 picks. And now yeah. it's like, he's like, he's, well, hopefully he goes in the second round. And then you have Drew Locke, basically.
1: Yeah. But I mean, if you have Drew, th- the thing about Howell that I that I like is like, if you can get him if you're a contending team um and like I'll just kind of give away my strategy for this uh this league I'm in that's about to have a, a rookie draft before the draft uh I've won the league the last couple of years and my quarterback situation is starting to get really really shaky uh but I finally have my draft picks again this year if I can get Howell you know at the at the end of the first round in that league I think that's pretty Like, I I feel good about that. Or, you know, if I can get Corral or Ritter, sure. But like, if you can get Howell, even at the late first, I still think like he'll probably turn into something. And then, you know, maybe he falls to the late second there, which I'd be delighted to scoop him up.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, I think kind of the problem is, is my strategy the last couple of years, which is why I actually have Pat Fryermuth and and Cole Komet on a lot of these teams is that, uh, you know, so Pitts, like honestly, like doesn't count, right? Like, Pitts was such a jet, gen- like, it's it was such a specific prospect and a specific moment in time. He's a wide receiver, yeah. He's, yeah. So, but generally, the last couple of years, taking the first tight end off the board was way cheaper. Like, Cole Komet, Fryermuth was cheap. Um, like some, some of these guys have just been, I, I don't even know what, where was Dallas Goddard going in rookie drafts? He had to have been relatively, I think cheap. he was pretty
1: cheap, yeah, yeah.
2: So like I was
1: Comet and fireman were like mid to late seconds. They were very, very cheap. And they're better prospects than McBride, in my opinion.
2: So once you end up getting into the, like for me in a normal draft class, once you're into the David Bell, Wandale Robinson, Alec Pierce, like I would say that's like the third tier of wide receivers in this class. That's kind of the point where I'm like, do I need to stockpile a ninth high upside wide receiver or should I start grabbing some tight, especially, and it, and it also changes in manage leagues versus these best ball leagues that you and I play in these best ball dynasty leagues. where like, I, I kind of want to dedicate like eight or nine roster spots to tight ends. And that league one, I mean, if I'm contending, I need those points every single week and it is tight end premium, but also those rosters are so deep and you're not like, you're, you're not really facing a penalty, especially if you have stud wide receivers, like you don't need, right. You don't need to dedicate fifty percent of your roster to fifteen wide receivers if you have AJ Brown and Stephon Diggs or whatever, because you're going to be screwed if you're not getting their points anyways. So, like, I I really like a strategy. I really like is like last year my guy was Trey McKitty was like the developmental tight end. I was like, I'm going to just going to take and Noah Gray, the Chiefs guy. Which by the way, probably Noah Gray already profitable because he got on the field as a rookie and Blake Bell is gone. Like, no right. no Gray is going to play snaps for the Chiefs this year.
1: Well, you know, one thing like to, you know, I've been basically kind of uh, a little bit pessimistic about, you know, these types of tight ends and and this class and stuff, but the, the profit thing, as long as you can keep it cheap enough, I mean, you really can make a lot of profit on tight ends because like almost like the Cole Komet thing, like they almost have to show nothing. Like they just have to keep getting on the field.
2: Cole Komet has done nothing but bet on the field. That's he's it. been,
1: and he's been like bad, bad. like his, ine- yeah. his efficiency has been really bad, like major, major red flag bad, <laughs> but he's still, he's still a starting tight end and he's young. So uh, you can, you can get more than you paid for him in the first place, but in order to do that, right. You probably should be trying to keep your original cost as low as possible. Um And so to me, like McBride does feel like he's like, I don't quite get why, you know, anyone would have him over Dulcich in like a meaningful way, unless, unless you've got a good read that he is going to go to the jets in the early second or something. And, and Dulcich to like a third round pick or, or, you know, maybe uh, I'm off on, on that. Maybe he falls to day three. And then that, that would be, I think a a pretty big tear break between the two.
2: And, you know, if, if one of these elite offenses takes any of these guys too, you know, if the Cowboys or the bills or the chiefs or someone like that takes one of these tight ends that like, Noah Gray had like six catches in college and was like not, like right. probably probably if you and I did tight end prospects before the draft last year, we literally probably didn't mention Noah Gray. But then the Chiefs took him in the fifth round, and Trey McKitty, same thing, third round out of nowhere to the Chargers. Went from like and he was like a blocking tight end, but right. that that stuff that stuff will matter. Um, so the guy who is at, uh, talk to me about Isaiah Likely, who I literally didn't even know was a thing until i was doing this rookie draft
1: yeah i mean he's uh he's like slightly undersized i guess uh six foot four 245 to me he looks like kind of a like a third round rookie pick type of play uh he's a four-year player not super productive 21 percent career yardage share uh decently efficient 11.1 yards per target uh, he had an 11.2 dot, so a bit more of a downfield guy. Pretty strong in yards per route run, 2.42 yards per route run, uh, which is really quite good for a tight end. Pretty rare efficiency for a tight end, and uh, very strong 2020 in particular in yards per route run. So overall, like he profiles like he's a receiver, which is kind of all I'm looking for at tight ends. That the guy actually has like some receiving chops. Yeah, he's like decently athletic. Thirty-six inch vertical, one hundred twenty-three inch broad jump. Only a four-eight-two forty, but that's not a huge deal. My concern with him is uh that he might not be a, a day two guy. He's, I mean, he played I have in I him Coastal slotted as like a fifth round. Yeah, I have him like a, like a fifth round pick in in my sheet here just to to kind of put something in. But I mean, if he was a third round pick, uh, I think I'd like him as much as as the other guys. Maybe. Maybe more, uh, but I, I need the, the NFL signing off on him is is absolutely crucial.
2: So, and I, I wish that I wasn't doing this with you right now because we like literally every league we're in together. Um, <laughs> the two, the two guys I am hoping to get with fourth round rookie picks are the next. Well, it's Jelani Woods is not going to happen as a fourth round rookie pick. Someone is going to, someone is going to jump on him. Earlier because he I, I would say Jelani Woods and Alec Pierce are probably the two guys who made themselves the most money at the Combine or, or, or Pro Day. So Jelani Woods, 6'7", 250 So just a gigantic dude. And he ran a four six at that size. Good. I mean, that is unbelievable. <laughs> our, our, uh, That's pretty good. The guy who does the relative athletic scores, who I I I believe it's math bomb. Let me let me confirm this. Yes. Math bomb. He does the the relative athletic scores. Johnny Woods got a 10.
1: Wow. That, that's
2: the highest you can get. He got he got a 10. Um so, 6.95
1: three cone, by the way, too.
2: Yes. Like un, like un, like, like All the
1: three cone times stink.
2: It, yeah. Like the guy, the guy is the guy is absolutely unbelievable. And by the way, you know what? I'm gonna send I'm gonna send this guy a couple bucks. If you guys use the relative athletic scores, he takes Venmo. I'm going to, I'm going to send this guy a couple bucks. Cause I've referenced these relative athletic scores, a bunch on the show. Uh, Zach, Zach Whitman used to do the three Sigma stuff, like all the spark scores and he did not do them this year, or at least has not published them yet. So I've been, I've been using these instead, but Johnny Woods. So what's interesting is he was a transfer because he played wide receiver originally. So he was a wide receiver at Oklahoma state. And then he transferred to Virginia and, he was targeted down the field. The only tight end with a higher average depth the target was Dulcich and, and and caught a bunch of contested catches. Now, Woods, to me, he's also older. He's 23. But he seems like a guy who we completely forget exists for two years, and then he shows up on, like, his third team or whatever. You know, he gets drafted in the fifth round, gets cut, signed somewhere else, and then comes back. And then all of a sudden at, like, twenty six. He he shows up on the Chargers or something and is just like a beast.
1: Yeah, and I also don't really care about the age for tight ends. Like, I'm oh, I'm complete, pretty picky completely, completely
2: don't don't care. Yeah,
1: yeah. With wide receivers, it's like you're. I think you're more likely to get fooled by guys who like aren't going to be very good NFL receivers, and you know they're able to to do really well in like their final season as an older prospect, et cetera, et cetera. At tight ends, like. There's no production. Like you just go through and look at like how how productive the good tight ends were in college. They weren't productive, <laughs> you know. Like they ba- they were barely efficient. Most of them were inefficient, uh, either in yards per hour or yards per target. Uh, like there's not a lot to get excited about. So if you can get excited about anything, um, you know, I, I feel like you don't want to just be uh, penalizing guys for for red flags because basically all these tight ends are littered with red flags
2: yeah no i so that i i which i think is like the overarching point so if 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 you uh if you got takes if you if you feel a certain way just write it because yeah like like seriously like like uh uh like D- donald parham when he came back from the xfl or whatever you know like i added him on a bunch of teams because i was like that guy's really good and i mean time but but the the same thing goes so the reason why, uh or, or the other guy that I am pretty bullish on, and I think he was really bad at the combine, is yeah, yeah he was okay. So Charlie Kolar from Iowa State, it, and you don't really you, you don't watch this on a ton of college football, do you, Pat? No. So dude, he was like legit their top wide receiver at at Iowa State. Like he was, uh and they had these other, and you know he played with Brees Hall, and they had some other guys who were there, but like he was not a, a stone cold blocker like he was running routes mostly playing out of the slot um and and it seems like the nfl is not that into him at all and he's not an early declare but basically he just racked up a ton of counting stats and i mean guess what like that's what fantasy football is and like that 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 that's actually the game so like just like and we this is why about- i still
1: like david bell
2: well, we talked about this with the wide receivers, right? Like sometimes it's just nice to see that they had a thousand yard season, right? Like it's just nice to know that they can put up that nice round number. And like Charlie Kolar just caught a ton of passes and touchdowns, scored 23 touchdowns in four seasons. Like he was just he was just a part of a pretty useful Big 12 offense.
1: Yeah, he also is like decently athletic, 35 and a half inch vertical, 120 inch broad jump, seven, uh, 7.03 cone. Uh, four six two forty is pro day. It's not bad, you know. It's sufficient. So yeah,
2: yeah. Like I like I don't see a meaningful. I don't see a meaningful difference between him and Trey McBride as like a prospect, really. Yeah, I think. I mean, McBride is way is a year younger and coming out early.
1: Is McBride right? coming out early? I think McBride's a four year guy.
2: There we go. So he's not. He's not even.
1: Yeah, I think he might be a red shirt if he's. No. Yeah. He,
2: he, no, he played, he played as a rookie. So i okay. as a freshman. Yeah. I'm wrong anyway.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, like it's, it's kind of, it's not the most fun class to evaluate, frankly, because a lot of like what I'm trying to do is just figure out who's going to get drafted high. Because like, if Kolar was a second round pick, I'd still have him as a third round rookie pick. Not a second. He's so gonna, I would have a little be a, bit of a. He's
2: going to be a day three pick. I I, yeah. I just know right now he's going to be a day three pick.
1: Yeah, he'll be like a third or fourth round pick
2: for me then. Okay. Uh, so is there? I mean, is there anyone else that you think is interesting?
1: Uh, let's see. James Mitchell is a little interesting. Uh,
2: give me the give he, me the elevator pitch for him. I I literally don't know who that is. <laughs>
1: He, uh, we don't have any numbers on him and he's a little undersized. He's only six four, two forty nine, 249 Um, but he was pretty efficient in terms of yards per hour 2.01 yards per outrun, which is good. And again, not very common. He's really good in 2020 in particular. He was also pretty efficient in yards per target, 10 points, uh, seven yards per target, 9.1 career a dots. So not one of these downfield guys, um, but also not super, super shallow. And that's about it. On 19% career yardage share. So that's not great, but honestly not terrible compared to where most of these guys are. He's a four year guy. Uh, so it's more just like as a day three guy, he still looks pretty interesting. Like he looks like the type of dude you still do want to try to scoop up in the third or fourth round, uh, just because he flashed enough in terms of efficiency.
2: Yeah. Uh, Reeves has two uh, athletic guys, Daniel Bellinger, 86th percentile physical score, which was second best amongst any tight end in this class behind only Jelani Woods. And then Chig Okongwo, who was uh, third in this class, 79th percentile of all prospects since 2000. I think he played at Maryland, if, uh, if memory serves me correctly. And I, I remember him, I just remember him coming up in uh, – yeah. He, yeah. He did play Maryland. He came up, he was like a guy that uh, mattered a little bit for college football DFS. Cause Maryland uh, towards the end of the season, they had all their Yeah. He was second on the team in receiving for them. Cause they had a bunch of wide receiver injuries. So athletic guy, An- another guy who's a little interesting for me, if he does get drafted on day three is Grant Calcaterra. So he was like a, a four-star tight end prospect recruited to Oklahoma by Lincoln Riley was like, you know, when when these guys do the look ahead mock drafts, like, oh, you know, he might be a second round pick or whatever. Then he retired from football with concussions. Then he came back and he's like, you know what? I do want to play. And he went to play for SMU in that like crazy spread offense and had like fine numbers as a senior or whatever. But I do just wonder like we we um the Rotoviz has done this stuff on like uh rivals uh prospect ranking, like when guys come out of college and how closely that ends up tracking to their draft status. And so I wonder if he's maybe one of those guys who just is like, oh, sh-. some team took Grant Calcaterra at 95. Some team traded a future fourth-round pick for the rights to draft Grant Calcaterra. That, that's all I got, though. That's the, he's the last interesting name.
1: Yeah. And I was, I was actually uh, I was looking at some old tight ends recently, and uh, Jordan Akins took off three years after high school to go play baseball
2: no. and then he came back. Yeah,
1: he, he he's like an eight year college prospect. Like he, he entered the year, the NFL like eight years after the, uh, graduated from high school. It, it was wild, but you know, he's had a career. So I guess again, it's like, I'm going to uh, cut these guys a ton of slack. You can even start your college career at like 21 or whatever.
2: I mean, it just, it literally just does not matter. At tight end, like I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Parham's Wikipedia page. He played at a college I didn't know existed, Stetson. Yeah, I never, never heard of it. Now he was definitely an Aaron Millette style prospect at one of these small schools. He had 85 receptions, 1400 yards, and 13 touchdowns, but didn't get drafted. Goes to minicamp for a bunch of these teams. Now he was sick in the XFL. He played for the Dallas Renegades. He was the leading pass catcher in the xfl and then he signs on with the chargers but it definitely does go to show like you can find a tight end from anywhere like there's a reason why these college basketball power forwards end up being tight ends which is just that it's such a bizarre position in terms of fantasy production
1: yeah and it's like a super hard position i think to master at the nfl level uh you're asking a guy to like do two jobs a, a tackle and also a wide receiver or something it's it's pretty crazy uh Yeah. And I also think like to, to that point, we're also very bad at predicting like who's going to actually be good, but not just because like it can come from anywhere, but the guys that like we think are going to be good are bad all the time are bad all the time. Like all the time. Um, I was looking at like some of the production stuff, Max Williams like is was off the charts coming in, in terms of his like uh, career yardage share. He had two breakout seasons. It's all very low raw stats and he was pretty inefficient yards per target while doing it. But uh max williams was like really strong in terms of all the production profile metrics you know projects is like oh man maybe we were you know i'm glad i didn't know this when he was coming out because i would have been way too high on max williams but it's like you know david njoku evan ingram who kind of like hit for a second uh oj howard yeah like, evan, there's evan, lots of evan ingram,
2: evan ingram was supposed to be like the next like uh julius thomas like he like or what i mean he was supposed to be so good and he's useless right Yeah. Uh, I mean, Dan Arnold, right. Dan Arnold went to the university of Wisconsin Platteville was, was cut multiple times, like was, uh, had like a severe knee injury that made it so that he couldn't play on the turf at, at New Orleans, like just like the weirdest guy. And then he shows up in Jacksonville last year by, by total luck basically and ends up being a top 12 fantasy tight end for like two months. It's, (laughs) It's so stupid. Like why? (laughs) <laughs> it, sh- it shouldn't be a position I think at the end of the day no I
1: think it's it just... a great position I maybe maybe not in fantasy but like I I, I the oh, more I no. look at the tight ends the more like impressed I am with the guys who actually become stars like it is just so crazy like that there is a Travis Kelsey and that there is a Darren Waller and George Kittle like that it's just and that, crazy, and that
2: Zach Ertz is still one of the best at the position at 37 years old or however old <laughs> he is. I'm a little
1: bit less impressed with that because it's mostly catch and fall down. As much as I do like to draft Zach Ertz, but like George Kittle to be as good of a blocker as he is, and then also a really, really efficient receiver. I mean, it's just—it's
2: unbelievable. Time. Like what, yeah. like what, like what Gronk and Kelsey and Kittle, yeah. what those guys do. I, I mean they're such an asset to their team. It's, it's why those guys command so much money. Like Evan Ingram just got a $10 million deal after being useless for his first right. four years, because even the chance that someone can perform that position really well changes your whole team.
1: Yeah. And if you have a guy like Gronk or Kelsey or whatever, like I think those guys are are worth more to a team than most really good receivers. Like maybe not the, the ultra high end receivers, but like they're they're probably like the best values in football oh i think i think by the other tight ends
2: like i think if i was starting a a a historical all-time nfl team tomorrow gronk would be the first pass catcher i would take i would take him over jerry rice or calvin johnson or whatever
1: i think that's i mean i definitely think that's worth like thinking about but i i like probably lean the same way it's like because you can what you can then do with your offense is like you know so versatile
2: i mean and and those guys are great run blockers too like exactly. like gronk yeah. like like gronk every year you got to establish like, it you got to i mean look in, in this theoretical world i'm assuming i don't get to call the plays and the <laughs> yeah, we don't staff.
1: call the plays yeah, yeah. they're still just they're just in the front office
2: <laughs> <laughs> so we have we have no control on a head coach who still wants to like keep things right. on schedule or whatever yeah.
1: Yeah. Really wish we hadn't hired Pete Carroll, Davis.
2: <laughs> I mean, Gronk it seems
1: like a mistake in retrospect.
2: Gronk is uh target like targets to touchdown ratio. He's the best in the NFL. Better than better than Calvin Johnson, better than any of those guys in NFL history. Still the best. Plus,
1: like he he missed so much time with injury. He played like with like all the braces and everything. Like he he didn't even miss time, but he was also being affected by injuries throughout, you know, many of the games that he played. Um and maybe that's just gonna come with the territory given just how how big he is and everything. But right, man, could you imagine if he had stayed healthier? No. Wouldn't even no. be a conversation.
2: And 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 he's also so good now that like he's doing this whole dance with the Buccaneers on like will he, won't they? And he matters so much to them that they're letting him do it. Yeah, they don't you know? care at all. They're like, they're Dude, just if, like... You, if if you need to show up in week two with a hangover and because you don't want to do training camp, like that's fine. We will welcome you back in the fold
1: he was on the Peyton, uh, the Manning cast and literally was like, yeah, like, uh, Tom just like does all my research for me over the, yeah, like, he like... tells me, he like watches all the tape for me and tells me what to do. <laughs> and, like And Tom Brady. <laughs> I don't think Tom Brady would do that for someone else.
2: That's what, I mean, that's Travis Kelsey was basically saying the same thing when he went on the Manning cast, which is that like like Andy Reid doesn't even call plays for me. I just do what I want. Like, I just go out there. And I just, I just look at Pat and I just run around and he throws me the ball. It's like, because that's how dominant these guys are that like that skill of just like getting open at being, I mean, what do you think? What do you think Gronk at Pete Gronk weight weighed? I bet he had to have been close to like 280 pounds. Like when he was like bulking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would love to know, like, but we, we get like the one. Uh, number like you go to google and it'll be like you know whatever it says like 265 for gronk it'll say that for you know his entire career
2: yeah but I, like he, but I, he, he probably was up there one well time. and he's way littler now like that's that's the interesting thing is that he's way smaller now
1: i think he lost a lot of weight from what 2020 to 2021 yeah right? when he, he seemed when he like he was play. in such better shape yeah Oh, no. Yeah, you're right. I guess. What did he come in too skinny? Is that what I'm thinking? Because he, he just was like so clearly in better form this past year than the year before.
2: Yeah, I mean, he probably lost. And I, I mean, imagine all the injuries that Gronk had, you know, the freaking ACL and his arm and everything and to just not get tackled by another yeah. human being for 18 months had to have like it just had to have made him his body feel so much better.
1: I'm glad Gronk's back, man. It's and I I guess t- technically he is not back right now, but he's he's gonna play this year. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun to have better. Gronk good again, uh, even though he's not you know the elite form he used to be in. Yeah. Anyway, this is why we so, still look at the, these tight end prospects. as like, frustrating as it is. It's you like, might it's find like, Gronk.
2: I'd rather I'd rather have Gronk right now than like if you if you could tell me I get I get 16 games of Gronk this year. And then he retires or Trey McBride's like it could be anything even about outcomes. I'm probably taking Gronk.
1: Yeah. I think that's uh that's the right call with this class. Like I would rather have Gronk. Yeah. So I just keep it cheap, keep it cheap. Like there's, there's probably a guy in here somewhere. Um, do, do you have any thoughts on Jeremy Ruckert?
2: So like, though that that is the type of guy that's going to go way before his like the fantasy nerds think he will and he'll never matter for our purposes he just is going to block because there's a another ohio state tight end went to the jaguars last year and did the same thing what what was his name well now i gotta look this up oh you're not talking about luke farrell are you luke farrell yeah they took luke they spent a what a fourth round pick on luke farrell i think
1: he's more interesting than farrell he had he had an eleven point six eight dot nine point two eight yards per target, which isn't good, but it's not like red flag bad. Uh, and he was decently efficient in twenty nineteen in yards per hour run, not that efficient overall, not very productive.
2: The the thing you have <laughs> to remember great, but... the thing you have to remember is that these guys are literally wide open every time they get the ball. Like right. imagine right. imagine choosing to throw the ball to Jeremy Rucker instead of Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, or Jackson Smith and Igba. like. Yeah, guys with with NFL quality guys in the backfield, too. Like, who is the running back for Ohio State this year? Travion Henderson, who is uh, insane, so good. And Master Teague, who's going to be an undrafted free agent. And Trey Sermon was the running back last year. Who so I guess, that's a great question. What is Trey Sermon's Dynasty fantasy value right now? I mean,
1: okay, so I'm still taking him in, like, what, the – 16th round or whatever of best ball. So he's got some kind of in like a he's worth like a third round pick in like leagues where that's about it. You probably even need to you probably need to like add something to get a third for Serbin. Where are you at on that?
2: I mean I would send on some of these tanking teams I have where I have like too many picks, I would send out some thirds for him just because he could be. You know he could score 150 PPR points this year. Now, obviously, that pick could get nuked if they take. Right,
1: if they take almost anyone.
2: If they take, if they take uh, Pierre Strong in the fifth round, like exactly, it's it's done. It's gone. It's over. Yeah, exactly. He'll be he'll be Joe Williams. We'll never see him again.
1: Yeah, it only takes Pierre Strong. Like it's it's like they're a very low bar uh, for what just completely. I think in the the leagues I play in that are like. 21 uh roster spots i think he'll hit waiver wires uh in oh
2: oh he's only valuable in the the 30 man best balls yeah yeah when you get when you like the ffpc uh
1: oh ffpc yeah but yeah there's ones that are a bit bit deeper that are like 21 22
2: like i like i bet i bet if i went and looked right now at my 16 where where you have it's not 16 in total, but you have to cut down to sixteen before the draft. I bet he got cut in a bunch of those.
1: He he had to get cut in almost all of those because I think it's six, it's sixteen, but you also have to keep a kicker and kicker,
2: defense. A kicker in a defense and a, quarterback. and a quarterback,
1: yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So definitely, which which really sucks for Superflex because you can't cut like Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Lock, <laughs> which is brutal. right, or Mitch Trubisky or whatever.
1: It's a weird format. Let's be honest, it's a I don't, weird format. Cut down to sixteen in a super flex league.
2: I don't love. I I actually hate those cut rules. Like, yeah, it's not. Leonie, Leonie and I are in the twelve fifty that they run there, and like we were, we had, we like almost had to cut Lebiska. We had to like make a trade to keep roster spots to yep. keep Lebiska. Yep. Sad days. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's like you know, it's really just, uh, it just makes it more competitive, right? Meaning, it's hard to gain an advantage. Yeah. Which I which I don't like. However, uh, it does change the the way those leagues value things. So like they're it's much easier to get wide receivers that you like. And, uh, you know, running back value and stuff changes in ways that I think can be helpful. So I still, yeah. I play in those and I don't, I just, you know, 16, sixteen's a little, a little aggressive.
2: So I traded the one Oh one for AJ Brown. What do you think of that deal?
1: What kind of league was it? So I mean, this, it was a super flex, I
2: super flex tight end premium super deep rosters but managed league so you have to you have to set your lineups
1: yeah i I think that's i like it like the i'm pro willis 101 but
2: i I of like the idea i i have dak and fields and a, a bunch of backup like trubisky dalton like types to get me through the quarterback three stuff
1: yeah and and part of the part of the um appeal of willis for me is that like He's going to retain value, and that you're going to be able to trade. Like you could trade Willis for any wide receiver in the league, even AJ Brown. Even AJ, you might as well just trade him for AJ Brown now. I guess the only, um, I think I'd rather have Willis than Fields at
2: this point. Well, at this point, knowing not knowing where he's going, or thinking some teams going to have to trade up for him, or thinking he goes at two to the Lions, yeah um also you know we'll see what the bears do in the draft or if they add i mean honestly i think we talked about this last time even adding like jarvis landry or something Something. would be would be better than what they have but my you are right i mean i i'm now officially worried that we're at the point where the bears are just writing it off where they're just like we got a new coach we got a new gm sure they traded the first round pick but let's just do what we got to do and move on from fields you know basically what ended up happening to teddy so Teddy suppers that knee injury, Minnesota moves on from him and he's just a journeyman for the rest of his career. And it never happened for him. It's
1: crazy that they, they would do that with fields. Cause he's, I thought he, you know, very good prospect. And like, as I've looked more into the quarterbacks this off season, I've been like, like, honestly, maybe I was underrating fields, except, you know, it, it has not worked out the way we wanted at all. Uh, but it's just like, I don't know, at this point, wouldn't you have heard the stuff of like, yeah, like that, because normally in this type of situation, the coach comes in specifically saying, I know how to make fields a star. It's like that was the sales pitch to get the job. To get the job. And, And not only was that like, is that not the narrative that we're hearing at all? I mean, they hired a defensive guy, but then it's like, no, no news about the offense. And then we get a report today uh we had a blurb up about it like that it sounds it feels like the bears are basically just trying to do a complete tear down of the roster that's not what you do when you have i I,
2: so i just googled google news last month of results pep hamilton bears right just to even see if there's a puff piece right just even if even if it's not even a deep investigative you know breakdown of what they're going to do i there's nothing pat there's literally nothing it's
1: so brutal like I, and the other thing is, you know, this is where his slide in the draft really matters, you know, because yeah. you do see teams do this with guys they take in the mid first round. You base, they basically never do it with a the guy they draft. We'll see if the 49ers uh, end up doing it.
2: But Lance, they basically yeah. never
1: do it uh, with guys. They, they trade up for or guys. They take super high. They always get like way more chances than they should. Um, I don't know. I don't get it. I think fields like, he's shown potential. He was not in a good situation last year and uh, to just like basically set him up for failure in year two seems like a huge mistake.
2: Well, I mean, he, what he was, he was really good in the green Bay game. And that was kind of, that was kind of the one game where, where he flashed, he threw that amazing touchdown rolling out to his left or whatever. Like that was the, that, I mean, to be honest, if we're going to keep it real, if this was uh, uh, the track record of a prospect I didn't like, I would just be burying him, right? I'd be like, this guy stinks. <laughs> More interceptions than touchdowns. He stinks. He took too many sacks. Like, uh, like." So I, I do want to be transparent about that. I just like Justin Fields, and I think he's good. And so I'm choosing to try to be positive. Well, yeah.
1: I'm not trying to say you had a good rookie year. You had a bad rookie year but like so did Trevor Lawrence, so did Zach Wilson, so did Trey Lance, uh, and they're all going to get chances going forward, even if Trey Lance like splits time or even sits behind Jimmy Garoppolo this year, he's going to be their starter in 2023, like it's going to happen, he's going to start for them, and uh, you know, they'll they'll be committing to him at least for that season, so I don't know, it just does seem weird that like his rookie year wasn't a disaster. It wasn't worse.
2: I mean, he wasn't any. Wilson's. He wasn't any. That's the thing. He wasn't any worse than Zach Wilson. Wasn't even really that much worse than Josh Allen. um Or Lawrence. Uh, yeah, Lawrence was terrible. Lawrence was. Te- Lawrence was and, and, really
1: bad. And everyone's just like, Lawrence is. Lawrence will be fine now. They got rid of Urban Meyer. Yeah. Okay, I hope you're right. But like it would make just as much sense for the Jaguars to bring in someone and and basically do the teardown and give up on Lawrence's as as fields. Like their rookie seasons were, were pretty comparable.
2: Well, it's just the, the priors on Lawrence are so much stronger, right? That's, that's really all it is. So I don't know what uh, you, you working on is anything, is anything really exciting to you right now? Any new statistical nuggets or any, any of the running backs really doing it for you right now?
1: Uh. I had my running back ranks out last week. So that was, that was fun to get those out. Um, Tyler Algier. I like a lot. He he kind of jumped out to me, but right now I'm working on getting the tight ends and quarterbacks out uh, kind of working on both right now. I think I'm actually not sure which one I'll have out this week and which one i will have out next week, but uh, I'll have them both out very soon. And then uh, on Thursday I'm talking to Dane Brugler. Um, oh, nice. He's got the beast out. So we'll be going through some of the some of the key findings there that, that'll be a lot of fun
2: nice that uh that will be fun that's that's cool dane dane does good work i hope very good I hope work. he's got i hope he's got something for us um all right so we'll we'll get you out of here nbc sports edge everyone listen to a good football show i was on it last week with jj we talked about all the running backs who are converted from linebacker so i thought uh yeah some some guys <laughs> some guys with more tackles and catches are going to be drafted in rookie drafts this year, so that's always good, good stuff. Good
1: sack to hurry rate right, uh, <laughs> from some of the running backs <laughs> this year.
2: Yeah, really
0: good stuff. Um,
2: all right, everyone, we will uh, we'll be back later in the week.
0: BP added more than 70 billion dollars to the US economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico.